Hi, welcome to Love Faith Tacos. We are here to talk about the topics that matter to real life Christians just like you. Topics like anxiety, fitness, loneliness in church, Christians in the workplace, depression, and even food. We interview psychologists, preachers, businessmen, and businesswomen, and people just like you. We are here to help you find the hope, inspiration, and courage you need to live your life the way God intends. As an empowered, thriving Christian. Welcome to a very special edition of Love Faith Tacos, coming to you on an Independence Day of 2022. So happy Independence Day, everybody. And uh, Nikki is back on the show with me, which is probably a relief to everyone who's been stuck listening to my voice alone <laughs> for the last couple of weeks. So I'm, I'm glad you're back. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes, yes. Also, I uh, want to obviously wish everyone a happy Independence Day. Stay safe out there. Keep water by your fireworks and stay away from that one uncle. You know who he is. Don't be near him when he sets off the fireworks. You want to keep all of your digits in your limbs. I'm just saying. So just keep your distance safe. Also want to shout out to our new listener, Robert, who suggested some topics uh, that we're going to be talking about here in the future as we get moving forward. We asked him what he thought he might like to talk about. So he brought up some things like marriage, finances, retirement, um, and even what's the benefit of getting married in the first place in the year 2022 and here on in the future. So shout out to him, and we're glad to have you on board as a listener. Now today, uh, what we're going to be talking about, we're going to be launching a series about leaders and conflict. So literally, not just for leaders, this is going to be for both directions. And today, we're kicking off with the, the way that leaders can deal with issues among their followers. And then a little bit later on, we're going to deal with how followers can address issues to their leaders, which can be quite intimidating, wouldn't you say? Yeah, for sure. Huh, right. So uh, getting into it, though, we wanted to just really quickly give you some resources that might be helpful to you on leadership that I just we have found to be very helpful. Um, I'm going to recommend three books to you today. Uh, it's Your Ship by D. Michael Abershoff is one of my absolute favorite books on leadership. Anyone I'm training on leadership gets that book. His view is extraordinarily unique, especially in the military. Uh, it's just not the kind of military leadership book you typically get. And it, it, I can't rave enough about it. Um, Extreme Ownership by Leif Babin and Jocko Willink is another really, really great book on leadership. It's going to challenge you and help you develop. And then, of course, The 360 Degree Leader by John Maxwell. Just talking about how to lead in all areas from every angle. It, it's really great. Uh, those are the ones that I wanted to recommend. What do you got, Nikki? Um, Lead Well, The 10 Competencies of Outstanding Leadership by Tim Schneider. And this was actually a book that was recommended to um, some of the leaders within my company I work for. I have recently begun reading it and I'm excited to get into it because I've heard really great things about it. Um, so I'm sure at some point we'll kind of give a review of some of these books or something like that, like a summary. Yeah. Absolutely, we will. And by the way, while I'm thinking about it, hang on to the end of the podcast because we are going to be giving a review of a restaurant that we ate at yesterday. And uh, that's something we want to tack on for our local listeners in the Charlotte area uh, because it's good eating. And besides, if you ever come to visit here, before you come say hi to us, you might stop off at this place on your way to the airport. So I just wanted to let you know that that's coming at the end of the episode uh, if you wanted to uh, find out about that. But uh, getting back on topic... I think one of the most important things that as a leader you need to remember is that issues are going to pop up. I mean, seriously, I know that we would like to think that we're just all the greatest leaders in the world, but I'd like to remind you that the greatest leader who ever lived, Jesus Christ, had issues. He had uh, he had recalcitrant followers. He had people who were very shallow. He had people who came up and challenged him on things when he was definitely never wrong. So if Jesus had it, you're going to have it. And you need to be braced for that. Um, there's several different reasons why this could be. I mean, we, unlike Jesus, could cause problems to arise through either, uh, you know, what we're doing or our habits or our past negligence. I mean, just not thinking of everything and taking care of everything. Nikki, you're much more detailed than I am. And it's less likely to happen with you that negligence is going to happen than with me, right? Well, I still have that issue sometimes just not as often you're right it's worse <laughs> with me but like the point is is that we're all human and we all make mistakes um so you know that could be part of the problem 
right? And I mean, it could just be caused by other people within the organization or if you're in a church that you're dealing with. Like it may have nothing to do with you. There just may be issues that are popping up there or even outside influences that have nothing to do with being inside your organization. Things like trauma, past learning history, or just other outside pressures on a person. There's there's so, so many um, reasons why an issue could pop up. And really quickly, just want to say there's a difference between an issue that's more like a personnel issue uh, or a personality issue versus like a corrective issue. Um, they both kind of have to be addressed. And I think that normally we tend to only think of you're doing something wrong. We have to address it, but that's not the case. Good leaders don't just wait for something wrong to try to repair things. They try to head it off early. So speaking of that, let's talk about what we do when we as leaders perceive that something is going on with one of our followers. Yeah. And I think that sometimes it could just be, sounds so odd when I say it, but a vibe that we get. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I'm the queen of vibes. Yeah, <laughs> like I very, I often sense when stuff is off or something just doesn't feel right. And so usually um, if you're intuitive, you know, or even if you are familiar with a person that you work with or that you go to church with, or even a family member, right? It could be anybody. Um, you may start to wonder if something's going on. So some of the signs could be um, changes in demeanor. Yeah, changes in uh, their their usual activities. You know, they, they normally do something and then all of a sudden they're randomly not. You know, why aren't they getting their coffee every morning when they first come in? It used to be like religion. Open the door, say hi, go get coffee, and then talk. You know, Or chai. Or chai. Thank you. Right? Um, <laughs> and another one could be changes in, in um, relational interactions. You know, maybe you noticed that there were two people in the office that used to be really chatty and they're not talking anymore. Or maybe these two people always sat on the same side of the auditorium and now one's fright, front right and the other one's back <laughs> left. And they always go out different doors all of a sudden. <laughs> Um, like seriously, you just need to use your eyes and your ears and look for a change in the baseline behavior, which baseline is something that Nikki, you deal with in your, your field a lot. And basically what you're talking about when we say baseline behavior, well, why don't you explain what baseline is? It's your thing. Yeah. So baseline is basically, um, where a person is at or where a behavior is, Um, What is the norm, right? So typically when you first meet somebody, um, you kind of get an idea of how they are, how they function, how they operate, those kind of things. And so, well, in my field, we tend to take data a lot. (laughs) And so we do something called baseline behavior um, or baseline data. And we usually take it on um, skills and different behaviors to see what the starting point is. Um, and then from there we determine whether we want to increase or decrease depending on what we're measuring. But for all intents and purposes, baseline is where you're at. Right. It's the normal level of activity without any alterations. Yes. Okay. Right. So, so those are just some signs that you want to watch for when they're, when they're, their, their demeanor changes, you feel a vibe, um, their usual activity changes or their relational interactions have altered. So just, just kind of watch out for those things. Now. We want to kind of go over some important things for you to remember, and there's a lot of them. Don't worry. These will all be in the show notes so you can get them later because if you're driving especially, I don't want you (laughs) wrecking. uh, Trying to take notes. Trying to take notes, right. Uh, I think the first thing is just to say this. Above all else, remember the golden rule? I mean, seriously. What's the golden rule? Remember how Jesus (laughs) said, whatsoever you would that men do unto you, do ye also unto them. That rule, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That thing. Remember that. You know, if you were often feeling lonely and you would want someone to approach you, then approach someone else who seems to be off and feeling lonely. Um, be considerate. Be kind. Don't get in their face. If you were having a bad day, would you really want someone coming up to you and going, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Think about what you're saying. Just, just And how you say it, too, is yes. important. Like your tone, even your body language, if you're in person, all of that mm. is very important. That's true. Because sometimes we can we can say things like, 
how are you doing? But we don't really care how someone's doing. You know what I mean? And it comes off that way too. Well, it's an Americanism. I've, how I've, are you doing? And you keep walking. You don't right. even wait for a response. <laughs> like I, I've watched these videos of people in other countries talking about things they find weird about America. And one of the factors is, is, is that we say, how you doing? And we don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. You just keep walking or like leave the conversation. Yeah. I'm not saying you have to stop saying how you're doing, but just remember that in these instances, you need to actually find out how they're doing. Um, another another thing is, and this is just important as a leader to remember, while people who do complain or who constantly come at you with feedback tend to loom very large in your mind, like, I mean, they're, they're it's going to be like, oh, my soul, this they're here. It's always, ah, this is how it is. You need to remember that the vast majority of people won't do that. It's actually a blessing. As frustrating as it can be to have someone come up and complain to you or to have someone come up and give you feedback because at least they're communicating. At least you know what the issue is. Right. right? You don't have to guess or just be awkward about it. Because most people, really, the vast majority of people won't do that. Most people will just pull away until they can either heal on their own or... They might just leave Leave, when all of a sudden you notice you had a really good employee and they quit or all of a sudden that church member, where'd they go? Well, they pulled back and it's especially a problem if the issues were arising from within the church or the organization that you're dealing with. So, I mean, that can be a real complication um, to deal with there. Yeah. So if you are going to meet with um, someone to address some of the concerns we want to make sure that we are telling people why we are meeting with them so that it's not um causing anxiety or even just the person sitting there wondering like why they're needing to meet um it does tend to be a manipulative power play that can prevent people from preparing for those meetings and it can increase a lot of anxiety and i've also Personally, I've been on the receiving end of this, um, and I do um, struggle with anxiety. And this is before I knew that I had that um, area as an issue. But really, we want to let people know why we're meeting so that they can plan and prepare. And then I've also been on the other end where I have told people I was wanting to meet with them. And this is me as a leader, like in an organization. Like, hey, I want to meet with you to discuss some (laughs) concerns or to discuss your performance, you know, but not being super clear. And then later when I thought about it, I was like, you know, I should have been a lot more direct in why we were meeting. Right. And I think that for me, where I've experienced this more than anything has been related to church, where I'm all of a sudden being told, hey, uh, Pastor so-and-so wants to meet with you. Uh, after, you know, after church, or can you come to my office and no one's saying anything to you about what's going on. And so you're literally just all, all I could think about is what I do, what I do. And I'm like combing through my memory and now I'm stressing out about it. And I think that the reason why leaders (coughs) tend to do this is because, um, we're trying to do one of two things. We're either trying to, um, stop them from, uh, what am I trying to say? We're trying to stop them from getting upset, but we're not we're not achieving that end. <laughs> uh, it's not helpful to do this. And I think the other reason, though, and this is where where Nikki, like you said, it's manipulative. You don't want them to prepare, and that's yeah. not cool. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, dude, when you go into court, how would it be if the defense got no chance and the prosecution just showed up and started lamb blasting you? That there's a reason in this country why you have to be told what you're being charged with. Uh, so that you can prepare an adequate defense. So if you're going to be talking to someone, then tell them why. Another reason, excuse me, having some allergy issues here. All the time. Another reason um, I actually just thought about is sometimes leaders may not um, want, I mean, it's almost like they intentionally do it because they want you to kind of like feel the pain because sure. I've actually yep. had that right where it was almost retaliatory in a sense um, where they wanted to meet and discuss like why 
my performance was so bad or something like that. Not that I'm a bad performer or anything like uh, that. But, yeah, like, no. It, <laughs> but, you're um, the opposite of that. Usually when they're talking about your performance, it's like, Nikki, you're amazing. Yeah, but, I mean, there can be that too. So it's kind of, which I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but it's one of those things where as leaders, like, we definitely want to keep in mind, like, why we're meeting like, what is the goal of our meeting, you know? Um, and then also, how are we going to communicate that? Which I think leads me into my next um, point. So when we do meet with um, the people we're meeting with, we want to make sure that we're being direct with our feedback. We don't want to beat around the bush. So that means that, hey, you sit down, maybe you say, hey, you know, how are you? How are things? Maybe you chat a little bit, like a little bit of small talk, and then it's, so as I mentioned to you, today we're meeting to discuss your performance about blank. The reason we're meeting is because you've had two reminders to complete. I'm trying not to give like specific examples like in my field, but right. you know, the reason we're meeting is because you've already had two reminders to, you know, complete this project and you haven't done that. Right. So that's why we're meeting. Um don't be around the bush. I've been in meetings where the leader I was meeting with was kind of all over the place and not real. I'm like, I was thinking like, why am I here? Like, I don't even understand. Like, and then you don't even make your yeah, point sometimes. I'm like, why am I, am I in trouble? Am I not in trouble? Like, what are, like, what are we doing here? You know? Yeah. I feel like that comes from a place of anxiety on the leader's part. And seriously, I get it. I, I don't like to bring up problems to people. I don't, I really don't. And uh, yes, I know I'm a debater, but I don't like to do that. And so I think it's like, oh, well, if I give them this feedback, they're going to leave. <coughs> or if I give them this this feedback, they're not going to like me anymore. You know, that's, just, there's any number of things. But seriously, there has to be a balance. And I have learned that if you're not giving good feedback, you're not a good leader. And corrective feedback is part of your job, as well as constructive feedback. Both ends are. So we want to make sure that we do not use the compliment sandwich. <laughs> now, <laughs> compliment sandwich. This is something that I was actually taught to do. Um, and then... From the heart of Dixie? What? No. That's, <laughs> no, 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 no. I, no, I was actually taught to do this. Like, oh, really? <clears throat> yeah, in my field. But then, I mean, every organization is a little different. But... I actually think, I can't remember which podcast it was. I want to say it was one of John Maxwell's po podcasts. Yes, um, that's what you told me. Where he said not to do the compliment sandwich. And the reason for that is because it, well, I'm kind of going into it. Well, explain what it is. <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. what is a compliment oh, sandwich? Oh, yeah. Well, you can explain it. Go ahead. Okay, you so. seem like you really want to talk about food in a weird way. <laughs> no, I just, I, I remember it from the heart of Dixie, although I can't remember the say guy's it. name. What was the guy's name? I don't know. I can't remember. Whatever. Um. It was the lawyer on the heart of Dixie. But basically, the compliment sandwiches, uh, I think it was for a breakup. It was like, hey, just wanted to let you know, I think you're really pretty and you're a great person, <laughs> but we're going to break up. But seriously, you're wonderful and it's all about you. So see, it's compliment, uh, bad thing, compliment. That's what the compliment sandwich is. You, you sandwich the bad part or the feedback part into, uh, no, no, it wasn't him, into the... Uh, um, George. George said it. Yeah, okay. you, you sandwiched the uh, bad part <laughs> in between two compliments to kind of cushion the blow. Yeah, but the problem with that is that, <clears throat> well, it detracts from the main point that you're trying to make. So you can get into positives later or in a different meeting, but really you want to focus on the issue at hand, the reason you're there, and how to best support that person in increasing that behavior that they need to increase or that performance or decreasing depending on what the situation is. Well, and besides that, your compliments don't land in those instances. It seems really fake and forced. And actually for me, because <clears throat> I've had so much of this, basically, whenever people are like, oh, we're meeting and then we start getting into it and they say a compliment, I'm like, oh, no, here it's coming. Like it's coming because it's been paired that way. Right. It's oh, like you I have you have that compliment and then, oh, no, it's coming. And then they're going to say something nice, which I'm not even going to listen to, likely, because I'm like, yeah, right. You know, <laughs> at the end. So, um, yeah, just be direct um, with your feedback. State why you're meeting. 
um, whatever the discrepancy is or whatever area needs to be addressed. Right. Yeah. I mean, because like what you're saying, you can, and when you provide negative feedback, it really is the temptation to just make someone feel better. And maybe they'll be more accepting of your feedback. But honestly, I don't find that to be the case. I don't think you found that to be the case. Well, I think that too. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I deal with this on a regular basis. Um, I supervise a lot of people. And so I, over the years, have really worked on how I deliver feedback. And because that honestly was an area of anxiety for me because I want people who I lead to like me, right? But what I noticed is, is that people like you when you are honest with them. Yeah. You you build their trust that way. The time for giving compliments is outside of that meeting when you're regularly providing support and supervising that person. That's when you're building that relationship. Then when you're in the meeting with that person, that's where you can have those challenging conversations and really come at it from a supportive standpoint. Right. And something that this is not in our notes at all, but you raised a really important point earlier that I think needs to be emphasized. If the only feedback you give people is negative feedback, then they're never going to want to talk to you. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to implement regular positive feedback and it can't be, um, what am I trying to say? It can't be uh, uh, corny <laughs> or canned. You know, I'm going to give you an example of one that when people say to me, I automatically feel like I'm being handled. I appreciate you. Oh, I say that. Yeah, I know. But for me personally. Not to you, though. No, you don't. I don't say that to you. And like, this was a really big thing that started, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure people were doing it before, but I first started noticing it probably about 10 to 15 years ago, where instead of like, for example, someone coming up and saying, hey, I really appreciate your working with the kids in children's church. It was just like, wow, you're doing a great job with the kids in, ch in children's church. I appreciate you. Yeah. And the thing about that statement is when I do say it, I tend to say, I appreciate you and your dedication to our families and patients, your, you know, attention to detail in blank area. So it is very specific and, you know, praise should be specific, right? I mean, I do appreciate you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but I appreciate other things about you. Like I appreciate things that you do, you know, right. or just say something random, like you're doing a great job or keep up the good work. Be specific, be specific with your praise as well as the other end. So that way you do not have that reputation. Yeah. And I did say that I've noticed that people like when we're honest in our feedback. Um, I will say that sometimes it may not seem like it in the moment. So <laughs> don't expect me why are you like because that's me yourself? all the time how many times have i told you babe i want you to do this but i'm not going to like it in the that's moment true. i'll appreciate it later but right now i'm just letting you know i'm not going to react well and i've I actually it. i think i've actually told you in the moment you told me to tell you yeah and i was like i know you're like i know and i also <laughs> told you that i wasn't gonna like it but keep it up <laughs> Yeah, so I guess what I'm talking about is more of an outcome, right? Like, <laughs> people do, like, looking back, a lot of the people I supervise say, I really appreciate the transparency in communication and the honest feedback. Absolutely. Right. Well, the inner workings of our marriage over here, this was supposed <laughs> to be about leadership. But, uh, yeah. So, I, I, again, another thing is this, and this is really important. As a leader, if you don't know, like if it's not a specific thing, like Nikki was saying, you got a vibe, something's off, what's going on, you need to approach them and you need to do it gently. You know, don't just like walk up to them and be like, hey, what's going on with you? Or, or like, you're acting different. Um, why did you do that? Don't, don't do that kind of stuff. You know, be more gentle because again, if you're not gentle, like literally we're just saying people aren't going to want to come to you. Um, it reminds me of Gilmore Girls, um, which if you all have watched Gilmore Girls. It's one of my you, favorite shows. You'll know who Mrs. Episode. Kim is. You will know Mrs. Kim. She's the really, really angry, <laughs> angry uh, South Korean lady, uh, Lane's, Lane's mom. And um, I want to say there's Seventh Day Adventist in the show, whatever. She's like super, super strict. Um, and... It's the joke is that she's always stern and strict and she's, she never like never smiles. Yeah. Does she ever smile on the show? I don't know. I, I don't know. But Not there very is, often. there is this one instance where, um, Lane secretly joins a band behind her back 
and um, <laughs> she ends up staying out. And Mrs. Kim is obviously freaking out because she can't find her daughter. She doesn't know where she is. And then Lorelai comes up and says, oh, she's crashing with Lori and, and, and uh, Lorelai and um, or she's crashing with Rory. That's what Lorelai said. And um, Mrs. Kim gets all upset. And she's Which like, is her best friend. Right. For people who don't know. Right. Rory is, is Lane's best friend. And um, Mrs. Kim gets really distraught. And she's like, she told you. She went to you. She went to Rory. She did not go to me, her own mother. It's like, yeah. Why would she go to you? Every time she has tried to reproach you about something, you have been unapproachable and mean. And whenever you came with feedback on your end, you were, were mean and stern. And the only time you did smile was when you thought that Lane had read her Bible seven times in one day. <laughs> like the whole thing. So she did smile once and that's what it was about. Wow. I remember. Uh, but yeah, seriously, the point is that you have to be approachable as a leader. And when you come to people, especially if you don't know what the problem is, be gentle about how you approach it. Um, there are some examples we can give you about how to approach this kind of person. And we're going to give you one really big example of how not to approach someone. Some things you can say is like, hey, hey, I or we, if it's you and your spouse, just want to check in with you. Are you okay? Is, is there anything bothering you? Just ask it like that. And again, watch your tone. Right, Nikki? Yes. <laughs> watch tone your tone. Tone is very important. Are you okay? Is there anything bothering you? Uh, you know, ask it right. Um, <laughs> hey, if you think it was you, and I, I do this with you, actually. Just ask this question. Actually, most men probably do this with their wives. Did I do anything to upset you? I'm like, yes. Just <laughs> <laughs> well, and the thing is, is if that's really a concern for you, you should eliminate it and then let it go. If they say no... Don't assume you did. Even if you think they're lying, it doesn't matter. You don't want to tell them that you think they're lying or act like you think they're lying. Let them say what they're going to say and respect that. Um, here's another good one. Is there anything that we are doing you would like us to change or anything we are not doing that you would like us to try? Now, you don't have to commit to doing it because if you did that, you'd never be able to do anything because no two people like everything exactly the same. I mean, it really depends. You, you may just need to set proper expectations. Yeah, and I really like the, um, is there anything I am doing um, that you would like me to change or anything I'm not doing that you would like me to do? And I actually use that when I meet with a lot of the people that I lead on my team. Um, and it's very interesting because people look at me like, for reals? Like, you're asking me, like, you want me to give you feedback? You know, um, I think that it's just not common for leaders to do that. No. And so I've gotten a lot of really good feedback. Um, often it's not directly about me, but it's about like the organization or I have gotten a couple of things about me where I was like, oh, I didn't even know I was doing that or I didn't know that was an issue for you. Yeah, I can definitely change that, you know, so it's very insightful. Right. Which it's it's hard to, to take that feedback. But if, here's the thing. If you want them to, to, to take feedback, mm -hmm. you need to model accepting feedback and you're probably going to have to draw it out of them to get it. Because, again, people I mentioned this before, the vast majority of people are not going to be that complainer. I guarantee you there's more people upset about it. Only one person who's gutsy enough or annoying enough or persistent enough to actually mm -hmm. say something. Um, now, let's give you the example of what we don't want you to say. Never go up to someone and say, is there anything that we can do to help or to be a blessing to you? And that sounds really good, doesn't it? You yeah. know what the problem is? Number one, it comes off as cliche. And number two, the answer is almost always going to be no. Or, uh, you know, and then you might even follow up. Well, if you think of something, let me know. Okay, we will. Which most of the time people don't. Yeah, they're, they're not you know. going to. Most people won't because there's a bigger issue. And it's like, is there anything, you know, is there any uh, any way that we can help? Yes, you jerk. You can change all this. But I'm not going to say that because I'm too polite to do that. <laughs> you know, that's why you got to try to draw the issue out, right? Um. So another point to remember is to be humble about the fact that your individual leadership style, your department or organization or even church, I guess we could throw that in there, right? Yeah. May not be able to help that person because no place is the right fit for everybody. Yeah. I actually really appreciated that about where I went to to college. Again, for all its faults and flaws, <laughs> they were very clear that, hey, our college isn't for everyone. Our church isn't for everyone. And I was glad that they did that. Now, don't get me wrong. 
what they meant by that is if you're really committed to God, then this is the place for you. But if you're not <laughs> there, <laughs> wow. you know, but still the point was, is that they understood that, that they weren't a one size fit all. And we need to be humble enough to accept that. So those are things that you need to remember if you're bringing up something to someone else. And again, check the show notes. Oh, Nikki's got something else. Yeah. I was just going to say that I think too, in those moments, like say you're in a position of leadership and you have um, people under you who maybe you have a different um, personality style or communication style, these different things. I run into a lot of these kind of things. Um, and you have to work with this person, right? Like it's not an option to switch departments or switch supervisors or whatever. Um, I think at that point, it's just the best, um, to really come at it from a supportive standpoint and kind of address address what the issue is, like we said before, in a direct manner. Like, I know you've mentioned that you don't like blank. How can I help, you know, support you while we work together? Like, how can we make this a good working relationship? Something like that. And then it becomes more collaborative in nature versus like, well, I'm in charge and you just need to do what I say. Because nobody likes that. Right. And I think this is a really good point, a good place to point out the difference between a leader and a manager. Because mm-hmm. there is a huge difference between a leader and a manager. And you, you go, there is? Yes. Managers maintain systems. That's what a manager does. A manager is given a position and they maintain it and they make it look good and they make it work. Managers are about things. Leaders are about people. A good leader will get to know the people under them. We'll get to know what makes them tick. Um, what's going to be effective for them. What's not going to be effective for them. What things are going to set them off. What things are going to calm them down. Those, a good leader knows those things. And you may say, well, my organization doesn't let me do that. You know what? In the first book I mentioned, it's your ship. The guy was the captain of a destroyer that everyone hated being on the ship. And a lot of the way that he turned that around, because by the time he was done, everyone wanted to be on that ship. How? Because instead of doing it the traditional Navy way, which the military is full of managers instead of leaders, um, he got to know his people. He got to know their strengths. He got to know what they were trying to do, their ambitions. He empowered their leadership and he learned his people. And that's what really makes a difference. So those are things to remember about if you're the one who is noticing you either need to give active feedback or you just notice that something's off. And again, I just want to remind you, if something is off, it's better to figure it out early and deal with it. Don't just go, huh. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like someone shows up one day and they're acting weird that you have to go check with them. You can. I'm not saying you shouldn't either. But if they come back the next week and they're fine, then okay, it was probably just a thing. If you notice a pattern... You definitely, as a good leader, should check in with them and make sure they're okay. Well, let's transition over to what happens when somebody brings a complaint to you as a leader or just gives you feedback or wants you to change something. I I think that we cannot go one minute longer without saying the number one thing. Don't make it about you. This is literally the biggest mistake you can make. And I understand, really, I'm a very defensive person. And so when someone comes up and says something about what I'm doing, I take it personally. You got to like put that someplace else to deal with it. Because if you make it about yourself, you will, number one, they're not going to come to you. And then number two, it's it's not going to be effective. Can you give an example of making it about yourself? Like a scenario or something like that? Sure. Uh, so I think that that one good example that I can think of, of making it a, a, about yourself would be like, um, I, we led a Sunday school class, an adult Sunday school class for several years. And, uh, let's say someone came up and they said, Hey, you know, I just, I really don't like when, uh, you preach about this topic. Now, as the preacher, obviously I believe that the Holy spirit of God led me into that topic. Or into that passage specifically, since I don't usually just preach topically. I usually preach from specific passages. And so I believe I've been led by the Holy Spirit. So to me, it's like, well, since I'm the preacher, it's about me. But if I actually listened to what they said, they weren't complaining about me. They were complaining about the topic, which means that something is going on there. And if I'm so busy feeling attacked and like, oh, why are they bringing this up? What am 
I'm I'm following God. I'm serving the Lord. You're missing the complete point of why they're coming to you. You've got to be humble enough to listen to that. Like I got another perfect example. I love my wife and I asked her to do this and she does this because I know some women who won't do this. I've said, I've said, Hey babe, if you notice that I'm doing something while I'm preaching, that could be distracting. Can you let me know? Or if I'm saying something and she will like, uh, I think there was a time when I randomly kept tugging at the bottom of my jacket. Yes. To, I was, I was pulling the Picard maneuver y'all. Um, and she said, you, I don't know why you're I'm just telling you it was distracting. I'm like every, not that I timed it or anything like that, but or took frequency data, but it was like literally every like 10 seconds for like a five minute period. And I think the and, suit was ill-fitting. Yeah, but I was like, in my mind, I'm thinking, dude, you like just did it. It should be good. <laughs> like, why do you keep doing that? Right, right. Or maybe I all of a sudden I started saying the word uh, hence, hence. And she's like, I'm just saying, you know, all your hensing. All I could think about was you're saying the word hence. I was totally missing what you were preaching. The Santa Claus. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> right. The Santa Claus. Stop saying hence, dad. It's really annoying. <laughs> but th- th- that's the point. I could look at it and be like, oh, stop attacking the way I'm moving or stop, it, stop attacking what I'm saying. Okay. But I want to be effective, right? They're telling me that something I'm doing is not being effective. Listen to it. Again, you don't have to implement everything, but that's an example of making it about yourself instead of uh, actually figuring out what's going on. And on that note, you need to listen and, if possible, take notes. Mm-hmm. Um, write down what they're saying because writing down what they're saying or typing it into a computer or into your phone really helps them understand that you're paying attention. I will say if it's a phone, make sure at some point you turn it around so that they know that you're not checking Facebook or Instagram or something. Um, tell them you're taking notes. Mm-hmm. But that's really important uh, to do as well. Here's another one. Don't provide explanations unless they are solicited or necessary, which, by the way, they often aren't. And I know we we really want to. Well, the reason we're doing that is this. Um, I get that. This is not the time to bring that up because any kind of defensiveness on our end is going to decrease the amount of people coming to give us feedback. And we want people to feel comfortable giving us feedback when we, especially if you're in the ministry, if, if you are a leader or a mentor or a pastor or something like that, and all of a sudden you notice that people aren't coming up to you and they're just leaving, that's probably because you've made yourself an inhospitable uh, harbor for them. They're not going in there. They're, they're going to sail on. Do that. Now, I heard this really amazing technique that I want to share with you. Um, I, uh, I, I, there's this group called the IDN Network that I've been a part of for a while, and uh in one of the sessions when talking about when people come to bring complaints, this guy said that what he does is whenever someone comes to complain, he literally tells them, I'm just letting you know right now, I'm not going to respond to anything you say. I mean, like I'll say yes, no, and things like that, but I'm not going to try to give you a response. Today is all about you and what you want to say and everything you want to get out. And then he will say, I'm just going to take notes. And he'll literally sit there and he'll listen to everything they say. Doesn't matter how wrong they are or how off base they are or how mean they are, he is not giving his side of the story at all that day. When he finishes the meeting, he will read back what they said and said, this is what I wrote down. I just want to make sure this is accurate. Once they've confirmed that, he says, all right, what I'm going to do now is I want to take this. I want to look at it. I want to think about it. I want to pray about it. And then we'll have a follow-up meeting to, to kind of let you know uh, what I took from what you said. And then they come back and do it. I think that's fantastic. I think it's hard. But man, if, if you could do something like that, I think that'd be really, really powerful. Because really, it makes them feel heard. And in a day and age where everyone feels like they have to say something, yeah. that's a huge thing. Um, by the way, if it's possible or feasible, have a second person listening and taking notes. Um, you know, why? Because number one, if you're writing down notes, you might miss something someone's saying because the other person might just keep talking and you can't write that fast or type that fast. Well, Nikki, you could type that fast. I was going to say some people can. Yeah. <laughs> Not me. Uh, make sure you introduce the person in the room and why they're there. <laughs> Cause otherwise it's like, why this is random person? Right, there, there's a rando in the room? Why does, why does she have to be here? Why does he have to be here? <laughs> Yeah, hey, you just say this person is taking notes and they're and say they're not there for any other reason. They're not here to defend me. They're not here to talk about anything. They just are making sure that I don't miss anything. So that is definitely something to do as well. 
Um, and on the same point about taking notes and not responding, if there are factors involved that are being caused by the person raising the complaint, then it's best to wait to address that on a different occasion. I mean, so like, let's say they're complaining about something, but there's an aspect that they're contributing to um, the situation. Oh, well, you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, don't look, deal with the part that you have control over. Don't deal with the part that they're contributing. And I know you're screaming. Yeah, but if they weren't doing this, then this wouldn't be happening. Okay. I get that. I really do. But in this moment, that's, it's not that it won't fix the problem. It will break trust though, when you do that. And it makes you unapproachable deal with the part of it you can deal with. And then you can either come back to that at the end of the conversation or in a different meeting uh we've once again we <laughs> we deal with this nikki and i deal with this when we are having discussions, discussions. and yeah okay arguments we're like debates i feel like we are pretty spirited debaters <laughs> and like and, and, and let's just be honest there's one of the two of us <clears throat> me who is normally the one who is guilty of doing this to where we'll be talking about a situation and I'm like, yeah, but you're contributing in this way and we got to deal with this. Okay. But the point is, is what are you doing the whole time? You're over here like, you're not hearing me. You're not listening to me. You're making this all about you. You're turning this around on me. And the whole point is, is we're not actually working on fixing the problem. Now we're fighting about who's doing what. Yeah. And usually I think I say something like, that's a totally separate issue. We can talk about that later. And I try to redirect to what the actual issue is. Right. And even lately, uh, whenever we do get into things, which I, I, if you listen to these podcasts, it makes it sound like we just fight like cats and dogs all the time. We really don't. Well, you know. <laughs> lately, what I've been doing is when we're having an argument and something comes up that seems like I could go off on a side tangent, I'll just say, I'm not going to argue about that right now. And that isn't even me saying that for you. That's me saying that for me. It's like I'm prompting myself to no, you're not going to go down that rabbit hole. You're going to stay on point. And I feel like things have gotten better that Which way. Which initially I thought you were saying it to me. And I'm like, dude, like we're talking about the same, like what? <laughs> what right. are you talking about? Yeah, no, that was a self-prompt. <laughs> you have to tell me when you're talking to yourself out and loud. Actually, I would say we've gotten better at resolving things because. You don't uh, go off on your tangents. Exactly. Exactly. I'm not, I'm not going off on on those tangents. But back on again, if you're a leader, if you're able to do the maneuver where you do the whole first meeting where they get all the time, then you can bring these things up in the secondary meeting later as part of what's going on. But you should not do that until after you have already addressed their concerns and the parts that you're capable of affecting, you know, where you can actually make some changes on your end. Like what can you do? Then you can get into contributory factors after that's over but you need to really be careful about how you do that otherwise it's going to seem like you're blaming them for everything yeah in the event that they want a change that you are not willing to make or can't make i guess depending sure. on the situation you're in um you should thank them for raising their concerns or bringing their suggestions and then you can calmly explain the reasons why the current situation exists right like there, there's reasons it came up you know, we have a system for a reason. Mm -hmm. And by the way, help them see why there was a clash. If it's incompatible or something like that, hey, I understand why you want to do that. But if we do that, then we, it's not going to work to do this over here. And that's why we do this. I mean, I think our generation is very big on why. So I feel like why is very important. Um, it just needs to be the appropriate time to explain why. Right. Now, also, if incorporation of their ideas or accommodations can be made, explain those incorporations to see if they will receive them. So in other words, if they're trying to, ch they, they say, well, we want you to change this and say, okay, we're not going to change it all the way, but we can, we can adapt and to see if we can address this issue. And this is how we're going to try to do that. Do you think that would work? Mm -hmm. um, you know, j j be reasonable. It, not everything is set in stone. I got some news for you as a Christian. I believe that unless God said something is an immutable law, it's not an immutable law. I mean, I'm sure there are things that are, I mean, hey, we all know two plus two is four every single time, but most human interactions are not that solid uh, or permanent. So you can probably make adjustments. But you know what? If you can't change something or you're not willing to, then, you know, thank them for caring enough to come to you and tell them that no matter what they decide, that it's not going to change how you view and care for them. 
Because that's another thing too. Uh, one of the major reasons people won't bring something up to a leader is they're afraid of how the leader is going to interact with them. Mm-hmm. You can't let it change. Uh, I mean, unless, of course, it's supposed to be your, that one of the things they're complaining about your interactions with them. <laughs> but, you know, if if they say, hey, well, if, if you do this, then I'm, if you, or if you don't do this, I'm going to leave. Okay, well, I'm sad to hear that. And, you know, no matter what, I'm still here for you. I'm still going to try to do this and yada, yada. I mean, as long as it's on good terms. You just got to let them know that it's not going to change things because you're you're you still appreciate them and you still care about them as an individual. Correct. Yeah. Not necessarily as like a church member or an employee. Right. And if if they leave, let them go with grace. Don't badmouth them. Don't blackball them. Just let them go with grace. Now, one thing I want to bring up on the way out is part of the part of the reason I definitely wanted Nikki to be in on all this, especially like we actually put off making this episode because I wanted Nikki to be in on this is because Nikki is like a master of I'm serious. You're so good. Like when she gives feedback, both positive and negative, I'm telling you, Nikki will tell me I'm having a meeting with this person and it's going to be about this. Her employees all love her. So even though she's giving them negative feedback because of the way that number one, she gives positive feedback that is not paired with negative feedback, no compliment sandwiches for her. And also because of the way that she's direct and because of how supportive she is, they don't feel like it's her against them. They feel like they're on the same team. So Nikki, when you think about some of the times you're giving feedback, especially the negative feedback to your team, what are some examples of things that you say um, that help them realize that, hey, we're going to address this issue, but we're going to work on this together. Like what kind of verbiage do you use? Um, wait, so specifically areas they need to work on? Correct. Or, um, let me think. So I think there was a time where like I had an employee who was arriving late to sessions um, and I had just gotten in contact with this employee like I knew this employee from before but we hadn't worked together on a specific case but she was arriving late to this one session and so I had a meeting with her and basically was like hey this is the situation that's going on you're arriving late to sessions um you know our company policy is that you need to be within five minutes of the start of session in order to be counted on time you have been late this amount of times during this past month, what, you know, what is contributing to you being late? So I tried to ask and find out more details about what the barriers were, right? Like, what are the barriers? Like, what's going on that's causing you to be late? So the person was able to communicate that. And then I was like, okay, well, we need to figure out a way to address these barriers because you can't be late this often because, well, company policy. And then also, you know, it's just not professional to be showing up late. And then the parent was getting upset with that. So we, we went through together different tools that she could use. Um, she was driving a little farther distance. And so I told her, you know, you can use MapQuest or Google directions, or even on your iPhone, like you can set it to where, you know, you can find out before leaving how long it's going to take and then maybe add like 15 minutes if you're leaving at a certain time in the morning where there's going to be a lot of traffic. You can set alarms to remind yourself to do that. There's like all these different tools that you can do to help yourself be there on time. Um, And so we went through those together and it was a very productive conversation. Um, She arrives on time to session now. I haven't heard any complaints. Um, But once again, finding out the barriers, and I don't think we actually address that in here, but I think that's that's super, yeah, I think that's super important um, because sometimes, sometimes the reason that people are not doing what they need to do is because there are barriers, like legit barriers. Sometimes there are barriers that can be resolved easily with suggestions, but sometimes it's actually something we need to change as leaders on our end to help them. Right. Like you had a situation where you were telling me about in San Diego, where you literally were being sent from one end of the county to the other during rush hour, oh going gosh. the same direction as the rush hour traffic. It was taking me like an hour and a half to get to something that was like 10 miles, like not even that long. And they were like, oh, it's in the same neighborhood. So if we put these just 30 minutes apart, you'll be good. And it wasn't even close to good. Yeah. It was a legitimate barrier. Right. So like in that situation, 
as a direct supervisor, I would advocate for that person and be like, this is, you know, go to my upper leadership and be like, this is something we need to change or whatever department is organizing that. Um, here's the barrier. This is what we need to do in order to make this person be successful, right? Because it's a team effort. It really is. So that's one way I try to approach it. I, I like to use the word uh, or the phrase, like, how can I help support you? Um, I feel like... I love that. I feel like um, when people say that to me, I'm like, oh, wow, like they actually care. Like they're not just here to get me in trouble or, or you know. Or pad their numbers. Yeah, exactly. And they, they actually genuinely care about like what I'm dealing with. They want me to be successful. And so I tend to use words like, how do we help you be successful? Like as a company, how do I help support you? Um, you know, I want you to be successful. How can I make that work? How can I help you make that work? Like all those kind of phrases where it really comes from. And I truly mean it when I say I'm not just saying it, obviously. Um, but all those phrases where you're showing that you want them to be successful, you want them to feel supported, you want, well, it's a lot of S's. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, please keep alliterating. <laughs> but you really want to just help them um, grow in those areas and you want to be there to help support them. See, I've realized something in listening to you talk about this, it just kind of snapped into my head right now. What you have done is instead of making it you against them, you have made it you and them against barriers. Yeah. You, you have put them on your side against something else. You have said you have an enemy and we are going to fight the enemy together. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you're bringing corrective feedback, but by making it about those barriers and by saying, hey, how do we do this? How do I support you? Uh, how, do we, how do we approach this? That's huge because if you as a leader just come up and say, well, you should have covered that in your training. They should have covered that in your training or you should already know how to do this. Again, I understand there comes a point to say that, but it it makes it very much you against them. And so many bad workplace dynamics over the years that I've seen, it's the employees against the management or it's the management against corporate, you know, or something like that, like in the office. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you can't do that. It has to be we are on the same team against this problem. And that's what you do. That's the genius of what you do. Yeah, I think that too, I just thought of this, when a complaint is brought to my attention, um, <clears throat> kind of owning that, right? Like, I'm sorry, I messed up. I usually say like, my bad. I'm really sorry. She's only said I, this like twice oh in the God. last five years because wow. she never messes up. Whatever. With you, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I really try to model, right? I try to model what I want them to do too when they're receiving feedback. So not that I want them to say my bad or whatever, but like just owning, like we're all human. And I tell them this too. I'm like, we're all human. We all make mistakes. Yes, I'm, you know, a supervisor and I'm a behavior analyst and I have higher degrees and all those different things. But at the same time, like I make mistakes just like anybody else. So it's that humility, you know, it really is. It's just that humility, the supportive environment. I think those are like the two biggest things is like yep. being humble and then being supportive, you know? Yeah. I'm telling you right now, if you ignored everything else we said in the podcast and you just pay attention to this section that we just covered with the way Nikki was doing this, you will be a superior leader, whether you're bringing stuff up or they're bringing stuff to you. I'm telling you, this is monumentally huge. There is a reason that you will deal with the same employees that other people are, are dealing with. Because her, her company does this interesting thing where employees will be managed by case. And so, you know, in most fields, you have the same manager all the time. Mm -hmm. But in this case, that's not, th that's not the, the situation. You have multiple supervisors. And you'll have people where you are able to deal with, quote unquote, problem people. And you don't have those issues. Why? Because of the way that you do things, the way you set expectations and the way you deal with issues. Yeah, actually, I was literally just telling another <clears throat> um, employee who is um, similar to my position. Um, and this person was taking over some of my um, patients and therapists. Um, but he had mentioned like, oh, yeah, this this one employee tends to be challenging to work with. And he's like, do you have issues with this person? And I said, when this person first started on one of my cases, um, yeah, actually there were some 
boundary crossings, um, which were not very professional. Um, nothing like too severe, but just, you know, we're in people's homes. So we like to have very clear boundaries when we're in people's homes. And that includes communication. And he, he was like, so how's that going? And I said, it's been great because I gave very direct feedback after that one incident and I haven't had issues since then. And that person has actually recently gotten promoted. And so it's literally like when we, you know what it is? It's like, we should care enough about people to give them the direct feedback in in a professional manner, of course. But when we're not doing that, we're not being honest with them. We're not helping them. We're not doing our job. There's so many things there that we're not doing on our end. So um, that's just an example of like, a person who was labeled as like a challenging person to work with, but really this person's not that challenging to work with. They just need clear boundaries and expectations laid out and you know, they're thriving right now. That's awesome. And something you just said really stood out to me as well. You said that if we don't give them feedback, we're not being honest with them. And that's the truth. And especially as Christians, that should be a big deal for us. We need to be known as as being honest, which means that when they come up to you and say, hey, boss, how's it going? And you say, oh, it's all good. You lied to them. <laughs> you literally just lied to them. Be honest. That means that when I arrive at a session and my third, one of my people I supervise says, how are you doing? I, my initial response is I want to say, oh, it's good. And like move on. Right. Cause we have things to do like as we're walking up to someone's house, but I've really tried to be very transparent with them and I will tell them things like, oh, struggling with allergies today or <laughs> got in a car accident last week, you know, because that really happened. And, you know, we're all human. And I think like just being human, like show them like you're a human too. You know, we all go through these different things mm-hmm. um, and it helps them be more open as yeah. well. Be real, tr- be transparent <clears throat> and don't be aloof. So yeah, see what I'm saying? Like just so much gold. I hope you listened all the way to this part of the podcast because this is this is like the real awesomeness in the podcast. I feel like I'm learning from the master here because Nikki's so good at this. Um, but really that's mainly what we're getting into about if you're a leader, whether you're sensing something is wrong or you know something is wrong. So either you just they're they're off or you're bringing up a, ta- a problem or if they're coming to you. Either way, the main things you need to remember is that you need to make it about you and them against a common problem. Don't make it them against you. Don't make it you against them. Don't go blame shifting. Don't go turning it around. It has got to be we are united as a team against a problem, a common problem, a common enemy, and we are moving toward a common goal. When you lose that, that's whenever the division continues and you lose good people mm-hmm. out the door. Uh, anything else you want to say about this before we move into our food review? No, I think that was it. It's kind uh, of a lot. It, <laughs> it is It is a lot. Now, uh, and, and again, we want to remind you that if you have topics that you want us to talk about, let us know. Robert, who we shouted out earlier, gave us some great things to talk about. We mm-hmm. said, yeah, those are good topics. We're going to be working those into episodes in the future. So if you have something that you say, hey, I'd really like to hear about this, then please contact us and let us know at lovefaithtacos at gmail.com. Again, lovefaithtacos at gmail.com. And I'll give that email again in a couple minutes. Uh, But right now, uh, if you live in the Charlotte area or if you're visiting the Charlotte area and you want to know where a good place is to eat, well, we want to talk to you about our experience at Cantina 1511 in Ballantyne. Um, And if you're not from the Charlotte area, Ballantyne is on the southwest end of Charlotte. Um, We we like to, for fun, because we can afford it and we're young enough, we like to occasionally go out and eat. And it's just we like to get together and talk and chat and um, we go to this one Red Robin. Listen, Red Robin, there's not enough of your places around Charlotte. You have two. You need to open one in Indian Trail. I'm just, I'm just telling you. Or Monroe would be, would be good too. But uh, we go to this one Red Robin, and we kept noticing this place across the street. And uh, yesterday we were driving through the area, and we were going to go to this one place, and they were closed early because they were going to celebrate Independence Day. And uh, I said, hey, wasn't there that place over by Red Robin? And that it was Cantina 1511. So um, firstly, I want to say that one of our things when we go to a Mexican style restaurant is the volume. (laughs) 
<laughs> we don't. We're, Especially for me. <laughs> we're not the people that want the mariachi band walking around singing at our table with the guys right there while I'm eating my tacos. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> that's, that's uncomfortable for us. They didn't have that. Maybe they do on certain days. I don't know. But it was pretty low-key, and we liked that. What I ordered was the cilantro chicken burrito. And it did have a good, strong cilantro taste, which if you don't like cilantro, I guess that's important for you to know too. But if you do like it, man, it was good. It's My last bite was as good as my first bite. And that's really, really rare. Rare. You had a last bite. I had a last <laughs> bite. I didn't finish. <laughs> yes. Yes. And by the way, I use the extras. A lot of times when you get burritos and stuff like that, they'll put like all this other stuff on your plate. I normally just eat the burrito and ignore that stuff. I added it and it, it was good without it. With it, the flavor just went like <laughs> through the roof. It was really, really good. Um, Nikki just rolled her eyes at my sound effect. <laughs> wow. Was that not a good rocket? <laughs> it it probably- sounded like the cheese whiz. Like, <laughs> I don't know. On the recording, it might sound like just white noise. I don't know. That was a rocket, y'all. Um, that was what I had. Now, uh, I'm going to have Nikki talk about what she had in a minute. Well, before we do, uh, I did want to let you know the appetizers there were a little pricey. They were all over $12 each one, and I'm sure they were good, but we chose not to do that because we don't want to spend an exorbitant amount of money. And we got chips and salsa anyway. And we so got chips and salsa. That's a lot of food. Which it was good. The salsa had like a chipotle base and with, with a definite... Uh, I think you brought up a, a, a flavor of lime. Yeah. Yeah, that's the first thing I tasted. And it had a good balance of thickness and thinness. You know, so like for example, when you go to Chili's, as much as we like Chili's, a lot of times you go to get the salsa and it's... it's really watery. Yeah. Like, Th- this wasn't like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that was what we ate. That but was the what chips I ate. were a little... I don't know. Oh, yeah. There was a weird texture. Yeah. I thought the chips were a little... Maybe not... <laughs> sounds weird, but maybe not cooked all the way. Well, we checked with them to make sure that they didn't have... That they were corn-based chips and not actually cooked tortillas because the texture was different, which is important because Nikki's gluten intolerant, so we couldn't have her eating those. And he's like... No, they're corn. We're like, okay, we're just checking because yeah, I don't know. They tasted fine. They just had a different texture. Yeah, yeah. But they're uh, like thicker tasting. Yeah. What about what you ate? So I got the beef burrito burrito bowl. Yeah. Can't talk. Um, which is unusual because usually I do get chicken, um, as a base for my meat. But I wanted to try something different, and they didn't have chicken as an option for what I wanted in the bowl. So yeah, I got beef. But so inside that bowl was rice, black beans, um, of course the beef. And then it had like queso queso sauce like in it and drizzle on top. It was really good. Like white queso, I think. Um, And then on the side there was guac, um, sour cream. There was like some coleslaw thing. I had that too. Which I think is like a thing here. Yeah, like in Mexican restaurants, yeah. It's just different. And then um, lettuce. Oh, and tomatoes. Um, and so I, you know, I kind of like took some of that and would like mix it in the bowl and eat it. And that was really good. It was very filling. Um, I think I only ate like five or six bites. It was really, really filling. Uh, <laughs> what? Well, I just, I'm laughing because I probably would have destroyed the bowl. Well, no, I know. But, and you had some too. Actually, we have it in our fridge because it was just so much food. Oh, Um, yes. Leftovers. Honestly, you could probably split that. I think even the burrito, you could probably split. Especially if you're on a diet. Well, yeah. Or if you just don't eat as much food. Right. um, You could probably split it. But the flavor was really good. Um, Oh, wait. There were also vegetables in it, like fajita veggies in there mine. Were. That's right. Which gave it really, really good flavor. Um, but other than that, um, I don't know. That was it for the food. That oh, was pretty good. A couple of other important factors to know. We don't order sodas when we go to restaurants. Um, we're not, neither one of us are soda drinkers. So we get water, which means that the way the water tastes is very important to us. <laughs> and uh, I'm a water no lemon person and she's a water with lemon person. And... Um, the was water good. was good. Yeah. It was good. Uh, the wait staff was very, and by the way, this is a big deal. The restaurant was not busy. And a lot of times when restaurants are not busy, the waiters aren't like out watching the tables as much. And so you tend to have lapses where you need things. Nope. This guy was good. Yeah. And David tends to drink like 10 glasses of water in a meal. So <laughs> I actually kind of like it when they just, <laughs> they give up and they bring the pitcher to the table. Yeah. But uh, he, he, he didn't do that. Um, but so we did not eat dessert because I literally had no room for dessert. We didn't get an appetizer. We didn't get sodas. So we only got entrees and the free chips and salsa. 
um, it probably it would have been a little bit pricier. You know how when you go on Yelp and you see the one dollar sign, the two, the three, and the four. I think this would be about a two dollar signer. How much were our entrees? Our like... meal came to thirty dollars okay. and somewhat cents. So if you had added on sodas, uh, yeah. you would have got another probably six to seven dollars on that. It would have been closer to forty. If you added an, an appetizer, you would have been around fifty bucks. But if you're just an entree only, eat the free chips and salsa people like us, you can we ate for about thirty dollars and it was a great like with leftovers. With leftovers. It was a good amount of food. <laughs> yeah. So again, if you find yourself in the Charlotte area and you're looking for a good place, again, you're not gonna find a f- authentic SoCal Mexican food out here. But this place was really, really good. And yeah, I thought so. That's high praise from us. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to Mexican food. But we just want to let you know about this place. Cantina 1511 located in Ballantyne. Uh, go there and uh, it's especially a good place to go if the Red Robin is too busy for you as well, which is right. just across the street. But yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, we're going to give you more reviews from things we, we eat in the future for when people are coming to Charlotte or if you happen to be one of our local listeners, we want to let you know where the places are to go that we liked and maybe even to avoid if we didn't like them. <laughs> but this isn't one of those cases. Um, anything else we should discuss before we get off? I didn't think so. Happy Independence Day. Happy right? Independence Day. Yep. If you are listening to this today, we hope you enjoyed uh, your day. You had the chance to sleep in. You got some good food, maybe some burgers or tacos you or something like in. that. All the way to 8. Actually, no. All the way to 7.50. Someone woke me up this morning. <laughs> I won't Our mention Our dogs. Her. Oh, my goodness. Blaming the <laughs> dogs. How dare you? But anyway, we hope you have a great day. We hope you enjoyed your freedom. Thanks for listening. Again, if you want to contact us, our email address is lovefaithtacos at gmail.com. That's lovefaithtacos at gmail.com. We got some exciting topics coming up in the future, so stay tuned in. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on Love Faith Tacos. We hope this has been a blessing to you. If it was, we ask that you do three things. Number one, please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Number two, please leave us a five-star rating and write a review if you can. And number three, please tell a friend because hope is just too important not to share.